I have an ice cream named after me, the Becca 7 with seven ingredients, and that's kind of cool. Diz Runs Radio, episode 600, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode, just want to remind you that you have the opportunity, if you should so choose, to save a life. Uh, Today's episode is sponsored once again by my friends over at DKMS, uh, which is an organization that is all about helping to eradicate, eliminate, get rid of blood cancer and blood disease. And, uh, you know, we've talked about the stats before. I'll mention them again probably a little bit later in in the episode. But, uh, you know, a, a big piece of the puzzle of helping to treat and cure someone who has blood cancer or blood disease is to get a bone marrow transplant from somebody who is healthy. But as, as you're probably well aware, finding a match isn't just as easy as just going, Hey, do you want to, do you want to donate your blood marrow? No, 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 no. It, it requires a genetic match, which is, you know, few and far between. They're not, uh, you know, the, the things that make us unique are, are many. And, uh, to find that match requires a lot of, a lot of folks being willing to, put themselves out there as a possible donor. And that's what DKMS does. They help to bring donors and those in need together through a database of folks that have uh, submitted a sample, just a little cheek swab to, uh, to get the genetic profile and see if it's a match. So if you're willing to do that, all you need to do is head over to DKMS.org. Uh, they'll send you the, the kit. You swipe the insides of your mouth, with the Q-tip, send it back. All postage paid takes about two seconds. And, uh, you never know your phone might ring one day with, uh, with news that you're a match for somebody who could use a marrow transplant. And, uh, if you're so willing, that could be the difference between, uh, saving a life and, uh, really making a difference in the life of someone else. So if you're willing to do that, DKMS.org is the website. And you can also text the word amazing to five zero five 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 for more information, details, and ways that you can help support DKMS and what they're doing to uh, really make a difference in the world that we live in. So with that, we'll go ahead and uh, dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, today's guest is a woman that uh, has run around the world on more than one occasion, literally run around the world on more than one occasion. She is the world record holder for the fastest average time of completion for the World Marathon Challenge, which uh, if if you're not aware, that's seven marathons on uh, seven continents in seven days. And earlier this year, she set a new world record for the fastest duration to completion of a marathon in all seven continents. So from the time she started to the time she finished the seventh one, six days, seven hours, 58 minutes, pretty... uh, Pretty crazy, obviously, not just with the running side, but then the, the travel and logistics and all that kind of stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about that as we go. But in addition to being a world traveler and, and world traveling runner and record holder, she's also on a mission to travel around the United States and run a marathon in each state as she goes. And she's uh, a, a bit farther ahead in that uh, journey than I am right now. She's, uh, I think, 34 marathons, if, if memory serves, um, 34, 35, something like that. So she's uh, well over halfway, and, and uh, you know, but not quite nearing the finish line just yet. But anyway, uh, no question that we will have more than a few things to talk about today. So without any further ado, it's uh, a pleasure to be able to welcome Ms. Becca Peasy to the show. Thanks for joining us today, uh, Becca. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. And guys, if you want to check out uh, Becca's website, and it's uh, actually her and her and a partner, her and her and her friend Jenny that, that both run it uh, together. Uh, Laughter is a great ab workout.com. Kind of a mouthful, but all is spelled together just like you'd think. Laughter is a great ab workout.com. And uh, on Facebook, you can connect with Becca if you're so inclined. Uh, and it's just, you know, search her name at Becca PZ. That's P I Z Z I B E C C A P I Z Z I for Becca Peasy. Uh, and as per usual, we'll have everything linked up in the show notes for this episode. Uh, in case you, uh, you know, have missed something or you're out on the go, can't write something down. Disruns.com slash 600, 600 episodes. Goodness gracious. Uh, but that, that'll be the link back to the show notes for today's episode. And you can have all of, well, have all of, uh, obviously the, the, the synopsis of the episode and, and Becca's contact information and links to anything else that makes sense right there. Disruns.com slash six zero zero. So, Becca, without uh, without any further ado, now that all that house key, house keep, house key, 
keeping, cleaning, whatever I'm trying to say there. <laughs> now that all that good stuff is out of the way, uh, we'll, we'll dive into uh, to the, the first question, which is always the same. It's been the same way since uh, since day one, since episode one, and now here we are 600 episodes later, still asking the same introductory question because it's a, it's a fun place to uh, kind of start the conversation from. Um, I think I might have an idea as to what your answer is going to be, but I've, I've thought that before and been surprised. So I'm still going to ask, and that's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? The marathon is my favorite, and it's it gives me enough time when I start the marathon, and um, I can figure it out. If I'm not if I'm not doing so well, I can kind of get into a groove and, and figure it out. But I always love the hundred yard dash. I'm just not any good in it. So I figured as I went as I went on as a child, I used to get whooped in the hundred yard dash, and I'm like this this event is not for me. And um, you know when I went to college, I would run the five k, which was if you know anything about the 5k in college, it's a very dead last event and, um, or it used to be. And, um, so I waited around all day and then, and then race that as well. But I would start off with the mile the mile was first. And then you'd go five hours of, of a meet and then you go 5k. And I remember doing, being able to do pretty well in both events, but the marathon is absolutely my favorite distance. Yeah, that was uh, not uh, not a shock. As as uh, anybody who knows anything about you, obviously from the even from the intro, probably was was going to be the the uh, the answer. But from from that, and as per usual, it, it gives me other topics or things to to want to discuss. So clearly, you've been running has been a, a part of your life since uh, since the early days. If you've been you know from hundred yard dash, like you said, running in college, the the mile and the five k and, and and all that kind of stuff. How long have you been involved in the in the sport of running at some capacity? I ran, my dad inspired me to run when I was six years old, took me my first five mile race when I was six and won my age group. I think I was the only one in my age group, but I won it. And I remember winning this ugly water bottle, but I'm like, wait, this is really cool. If I can win stuff, you know, that that's kind of cool and doing something that I love. And I also grew up, the Boston Marathon's in my backyard. It's about six miles from, I live about six miles from the finish line. So my grandmother used to take me, and I used to love going and cheering on the runners. And I always remember being seven, eight years old, thinking I'm going to run this someday. And I've run 17 Boston marathons since then, and it's it's my favorite day of the year. Nothing I'd rather be doing on Patriots Day. And my college coach let me come home to run the Boston Marathon, which was absolutely unheard of. My friends were like, "Well, we don't get to come home to run the Boston Marathon." I'm like, "Well, I have an awesome coach." So, um, he would just say, "Don't get hurt." And, you know, I'd come home and I'd run it for fun. So, I have 17 consecutive, which which I it's it's been so much fun. We've run in in all sorts of weather conditions and um I really it's it's my favorite day of the year and my favorite way to celebrate Patriots Day. Yeah, um, I, I can't I can't let Boston pass without without talking about that a little bit. Um, but but a, a few other things that, that you said in there that, that caught my attention. So from even as as a little girl, like you said, seven eight years old, I'm going to do this one day. Um, I mm-hmm. and I, if I if I kind of try to think back to you know when I was seven eight nine years old and the things that I was going to do, you know, like like I was going to be you know like better than Bo Jackson. I was going to be a pro athlete at like every sport as opposed to just like a couple of them. And, and, you know, I was going to, going to do this and do that. I can't, I can't even think of how probably off the wall they would have been, you know, just, you know, as a kid, what, what are you going to do? And, and, you know, at some point those things kind of, at least for me, obviously kind of fell behind, fell by the wayside. I realized I didn't have the, uh, the gifts and maybe the drive to be a, a professional athlete. And, you know, some things were, were not humanly possible. So maybe the, you know, those ambitions went out the window, but for you, obviously, at least that's that's one area where you s- stuck with it, and and those ambitions of childhood came true. Um, was, was did that ever waver, or was that oh, I mean, was that just always something that no doubt I'll be running the Boston uh, Marathon? There was no doubt in my mind that I I didn't know that I would run so many, and usually during the marathon, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm never doing this again. This was a horrible idea. I don't feel good, and you know, you cross the finish line, and it's the most rewarding experience, you know, and. Um, my career has changed many, many times. You know, I, I own a daycare and I manage an ice cream shop and two two fields that I never, ever thought that, that I would ever be in. And I have an ice cream named after me, the Becca 7 with seven ingredients. And that's kind of cool, you know. And um, I opened up the, my daycare because my daughter had a severe nut allergy. And 10 years ago, she's 10, and 10 years ago, people were like, I'm not going to take her. I don't feel comfortable. And um, I opened up the daycare and and so, so my careers have, I studied psychology in college, so nothing at all, but I thought I would be doing now and, and that's okay. That's life. That's what we do. But, um, you know, I ran my first, um, marathon outside of the, of, um, Massachusetts and thought, 
I definitely want to start running the 50 states. So I've been on that journey for, for seriously about five years. So I'll be done in the next year or two. And currently I'm running about 12 marathons a year. But but I always, my biggest fear is crossing the finish line of the 50th state and thinking, now what am I going to do? Right. You know, I mean, that kind of happened with the 777. And you're like, how, how do you top doing an incredible feat, you know, in a 50, 50 states, it's been an incredible journey. And, and like you say, I kind of have, a, I've come so far going to 35 states. I've, I've been to places that I never thought that I would ever go to like Mount Rushmore and then, and then different places like Fargo, mm -hmm. but I've been to Vegas and all over the U S and it's been incredibly fun, but how do you top it? I don't know. Eventually I'm going to run Kona Ironman. Okay. Wow, that's that's another big a big goal. But uh, I, I've I've talked to triathletes before and, and and you know full Ironman finishers and stuff, and uh, I always have to ask them you know the the, the terrible question. It, it you know it, for a guy who asks questions for a living, and I re I can recognize that it's a terrible question. But it's like the difference between a marathon standalone and a marathon at the end of an Ironman, and uh, it's just it's just crazy for me to think about for you know as as a marathon runner dabbled into ultra marathons a couple times, but I couldn't imagine you know seven, eight, nine hours of activity between the swim and the bike. And then, and then I'll go ahead and, and run 26.2 miles. Sounds crazy to me. Yeah. That would take me a year to train. I can't even <laughs> swim. I, I, I'm sure you can't do the doggy paddle inside, but that, but I like these big feats, you know, I like these big goals and, and, and when I do go into a goal, I like to put a year or so of training into it. Mm. So, um, I don't want to embarrass myself or, you know, the, the, anybody that I'm representing. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, I, I definitely want to get into the the seven 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 thing in, in just a second, but I, I want to talk on, on on Boston for another minute because uh, everybody who listens to the show knows that that's a big, the big probably running goal of mine. That that in the fifty states, those are kind of my two kind of co big long term running goals. Is is you know obviously traveling the country and running a marathon in every state would be really cool. Um, but then qualifying for Boston and, and running Boston is is a big goal. Still have still have a good bit of work to do there. Got to get. Uh, you know, 10 or 10 or 15 years older and then just a little bit faster. And then, yeah. and then, you know, everything will kind of balance itself out there somewhere in the middle. But, uh, yeah. for somebody who's you know, like you said, I mean, 17 times, uh, I think I heard you say consecutively. So 17 years in a row of, of running the race, um, for lack of a better way of asking it, does it, does it ever get stale? Do, do you ever kind of take it for granted or is it, is it that big of a, of a deal that it's, it's something new and exciting and, and great year after year for you it's that big of a deal it would devastate me to not run the boston marathon i had my daughter and then ran the boston marathon four months later and i'm like do i sit out of it what do i what do i do you know and and the thought of not running it broke my heart i was like how, you know the, the crowd support is deafening the entire 26.2 miles and and it's so fun to go through each town and and put the training in and you Typically, coming from New England, you have worked so hard in extreme conditions th throughout the w winter. So, um, you know, you don't want to be at the start of the Boston Marathon unprepared and um, with people tracking you. And so you, so you put the work in. But that deafening crowd support takes you through the entire way. And when you hit Cleveland Circle and heading into Boston, you just think it's such a privilege to be there. I feel so lucky to be able to, to be at the start of the Boston Marathon. And people, people come from all over the world. And... I really enjoy it. I really love it, you know, and my sister runs it every year, gets a little stressed out. She's, she's a lot faster than I am, but she gets stressed out running it. And, um, I just say have fun because you know, it truly is a privilege and I really love the training out on the course with everybody and everyone's cheering each other on and even extreme conditions. We run it when we ran, um, the, this most recent marathon was probably the toughest in the 17 years that I've ever run it because it was the sideways rain was just painful, you know, and when we can run in the cold and we can run in the heat, but when it rains like that, we're not used to training in that because if it's going to rain on a Saturday, we'll just go Sunday or vice versa. So this kind of took us all by surprise. And, and that, this was the toughest, probably the toughest marathon I've ever run in total. Yeah. I feel like I've heard that from a couple of folks that I've had on recently that ran this year's Boston and have run other ones in the past. And, and like you said, I mean, not only if it's raining, you'll just run, run the next day or if the weather forecast for the next day is going to be bad. So you run the day before, but couple that with the wind, it's one thing to run in the rain. It's one thing to run in the cold. It's one thing to run in the wind. It's another thing yeah. to do all three simultaneously. And that's, that's, I mean, that's as tough mentally as it is physically, I would imagine. 
because you would get into a groove and then you'd step in a puddle and the mm. puddle would be absolutely freezing and you're like, am I, am I catching hypothermia? Am I, you know, and the ambulances would go by and pick people up and it was frustrating. They called it the Hunger Games because it was like survival of the fittest trying to, trying to fight through the, but some of the pictures that I didn't realize how bad it was until I looked at the photos of myself running and I'm like, wow, you look pretty miserable, but still <laughs> there's nothing I'd rather be doing. You know, it's, it's my, it's, it's absolutely my favorite day of the year. And, um, the crowd support was deafening still. They were out there and I'm like, I, I just have to run in this. These guys are out there cheering for six hours for everybody. They don't Standard, just leave in the rain and the wind. Right. Yeah, they are the most Boston, the Boston community, and it, the most loyal, loving. It's it's so awesome. One one more question on Boston before we shift gears. Um, for for somebody who is is able to run it for the first time, you you've been there. I don't want to say yeah. been there, done that, because that, that kind of makes it sound like you almost take it for granted. And you already said that that's not the case, uh, which, which is good to hear. But for somebody yeah. who's, who's not from the area, they're, they're coming in the first, like, I'm so excited to run the 2019 or the 2020, whatever it is, down the road. You're going to run the Boston Marathon for the first time. Any uh, bits of advice from somebody who's, who's a seasoned veteran for the, for the course, for the area, and you know your way around? What, which is somebody who has no idea what the, other than the fact that they're looking forward to a big city big time world major type of, of marathon what, what should they do to to be slightly more prepared or less awestruck or whatever i'm trying to say for a, a first time boston runner the boston marathon course will chew you out and chew you up and spit you out it's it's still something that i'm still trying to figure out and it's it's heartbreak hill and it's a but for that reason i i always tell i coach the john hancock marathon team and and i love doing it and a lot of them are first time marathoners and my biggest advice to them is to have fun because you're so lucky to be at the start of the Boston Marathon and you want to get there early. You want to go to a Red Sox game. You want to go to walk on the Freedom Trail because there's so much more to Boston than just the Boston Marathon. So make sure you go to a Red Sox game. The expo is phenomenal. It's like the biggest thing you've ever seen in your life. You can't even believe that they can fit all these companies into one floor. And it's awesome. Walk through it. Take your time. But take a step back when you're running the Boston Marathon. It, whether you've done fundraising to get there or you've qualified, you've worked very hard to get there because you get in by those two, those two mm-hmm. fundraising. Or, and so you've worked really hard to get there. So enjoy it. You know, it, it's, and if you happen to qualify again, then that, that's a massive bonus. But if you don't take it back and take a step back and look at, take it all in because you're going through the coolest cities, you know, the train, the tea, the train's going right by you. The crowd support is phenomenal. I mean, it's just, it's just really second to the Super Bowl, I think that's what I heard. So it's, um, there's a lot of people out there screaming for you, put your name on your shirt. And when somebody is screaming, go Becca, and you don't even know that person that just happens mostly in Boston. It's really, it's really so awesome. And, um, take it all in is my biggest piece of advice, because if you just go there to bury it and have fun, it's just going to take so much away from your Boston experience. And if, you know, you, you go for, if you have a goal and you don't hit your goal, you, you know, it's hard to, to enjoy the experience, but, um, know that the Boston marathon course, I find it tough. I mean, I definitely try and run it hard, but, um, I, and it's not the Hills. I'm on those Hills all the time. It's not, it's just where they are kind of annoying. But when you hit Cleveland circle with just 10 K to go 6.2, it gets louder and louder and, you know, right on Hereford left down Boylston. It, it's so awesome. You'll never, ever forget it. And I, I just really love it. Yeah, that's that's uh, something I always ask folks, you know, or kind of along those lines of, you know, should should you, well, do you run it to to run it and have fun, or do you run it to race it? And it sounds like you're firmly in the camp of run it, enjoy it, and and race a different marathon as opposed to to race in Boston. There's so many other marathons. I mean, I, it's hard for me to go in and it's like a hilly course. And anytime you take a tough course, have fun with it because it's it can really it can really damper your experience if you're not, if you race and are not happy with your results. Cause it's, it's tough. Yeah. So of course. Well, yeah. And, and, and I mean, shoot, nothing about 26.2 miles is, is easy. If, if, especially no. if you're trying to push it, but then, yeah, you start adding, adding course dynamics and Hills late and things like that. And it only makes it more difficult. Yeah. So enjoy the, enjoy the process. Yeah. And it's very, very well organized. The team that Dave McGilvery has behind him is second to none. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're in for a treat. Yeah, I'm certainly certainly looking forward to it. And every time I talk to somebody, it doesn't. It never once has it made me be like, eh, maybe you know, second guessing. No, 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 no. It always makes uh, lights the fire even brighter and, and uh, even yeah. more 
excited to do it. So, uh, well, well, good. I, I was was figuring we'd get to Boston at some point, but we, we got there a little bit early, and that's that's all right. And now we'll we'll shift gears and get into the the World Marathon Challenge a little bit. Uh, but first, just want to take a, a quick second and pay a couple bills, uh, guys. Once again, today's episode is brought to you by the good folks over at DKMS. Um, as we've talked about before, you you've heard me mention them several times in the last couple of months, but uh, you know. Blood cancer, blood disease, it's one of those things that, at least for me, uh, before I, I kind of got in touch with DKMS and hadn't really heard about it as, as much as some of the other cancers and diseases that are out there. But, you know, when you hear the stats that every three minutes someone in the U.S. is diagnosed with, with a blood disease and every nine minutes someone dies because of it, um, it kind of puts things into perspective a little bit. And uh, when it comes down to, to treatment and, and uh, you know, saving lives and, 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 and things like that, um, in, in most cases, the, the, the thing that works is getting a, a, a finding a, a match, finding a donor to, to donate uh, blood marrow. And that's what uh, DKMS does. They're all about kind of setting that database up and, and finding healthy folks that are willing to donate uh, blood marrow to someone who's uh, very much in need. So if, if you're willing to get yourself in the database, join me in the database, head over to DKMS.org. They'll send you the free kit. It's a little swab thing. You take the Q-tips, you swab the inside of your mouth, you send it back, all postage paid, nothing you need to worry about doing other than just actually doing it. Uh, but uh, get the kit, get in the database, potentially save a life if, if you come back as a match with somebody who is uh, diagnosed and in need. Uh, and it's not a long, drawn-out recovery process for, for you. A couple days off of work, a couple days, a couple more days off of running to recover, and you'll be back at it, no worse for the wear, and quite possibly save a life in the process. So DKMS.org, thank you for, for you know, thank you for supporting all of the sponsors, but this one especially, because it's a, it is a good cause, a life-saving cause, and if you want some more information, you can also text the word AMAZING, that's A-M-A-Z-I-N-G, to 50555. So, uh, Becca, kind of like I said, shifting gears, getting getting on to uh, the the world marathon, the the seven marathons in seven days uh, on seven continents challenge. Um, obviously, that's that's a big undertaking. That's that you know that's that's not for the the faint of heart. It's something that is is you know a, a big commitment, not only in in just the, that one week of what you have to do, but the training that goes into it, the, the preparation, the logistics, getting getting to the starting you know wherever the the starting location is to to go on that journey. Um, what uh, you know, we'll start broad and kind of maybe narrow ourselves in. Although I know you've done it a couple times now. What was what was the impetus the first time of of you know? Because I think a lot of us are are you know would would love to run some different places, but the, the idea of like, all right, we're gonna go all in seven marathons, seven continents, seven days. That's a bit overwhelming for most runners. Um, just the thought of it, let alone the execution of it. But you, you, like I said, you've done it a couple times. What was what was the, the the thing that got you going the first time of, of yes let's let's actually make this happen? Yeah, the first time I read about it, I had an opportunity to make history. So mm. there were a couple failed attempts by American females, and I thought, if given the opportunity, I can make this happen. And a couple of my friends kept sending me that they had read about it. You know, you should apply. You can do this. You, at the time, I had run forty five marathons in extreme condition, and, and I thought. Okay, so I applied, and then the race director wrote me back, Richard Donovan from Ireland, and he said, you'd be making history, and American females never finished this. And I'm like, that is so huge, this day and age, for for me, given the opportunity to make history, to show my daughter that you can do anything you put your mind to if you believe in yourself. I love and am drawn to the ultimate test of endurance and strength. So I thought to myself, I'm born to run this race. Um, I had about a year to train for it, so I thought, put in the work and and not finishing this race is not an option. And my motto was, you're going to have to get really comfortable with being uncomfortable to survive this and finish it. And and that's exactly what I did in my training. And then, um, during the seven, 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 how do you prepare for something like that? Cause I, I, I mean, you know, the, the, the obvious thought is we'll just run a lot, but I mean, I got I feel like there has to be more to it than that. I mean, there were days that I was so tired. I couldn't stand up. I mean, there were, it was, it was a very, very long year. And, I thought you have one shot to get this right. And so I was running about 70 to a hundred miles per week. I was doing CrossFit personal training, yoga for runners. I was studying the courses and the locations. I went to Canada to train because it wasn't cold enough here in Boston. I needed like negative 20 degrees and to test my gear. And so, um, the training, the training was definitely the toughest part. Which, well, all right. So, um, Again, I mean, there's so there's so many different different 
factors that come into play. There's there's obviously the, the physical of doing the races. There's the recovery between the races and, and the fact that probably the, the recovery environment isn't uh, exactly optimal when you're jumping on an airplane almost as soon as you finish to fly to the next location. How did, how did, w- w- was there a way to try to simulate that in training or was that a bit of an unknown going into the first, the first round? The first round, I was kind of blindsided by it, although I knew that I would be really tired. I didn't realize how stiff my muscles would get on the plane. So um, the very first thing that I would do when I'd cross the finish line was head straight across the street to the closest hotel, shower there, and roll out my body. But you could not let your your guard down regardless. So you had to constantly work on your body and your hydration and your nutrition for seven days. And um, and. Although I tried to do that, and it, it, it really was exhausting and tiring. And, and the hardest part for me was being away from my eight-year-old daughter. You know, I hadn't seen her in 16 days because we were expecting a storm in Boston, so I flew out even a couple of days earlier. So I was gone from her for so long that that, that was the huff, toughest part. But when I started to run, I'm like, okay, thank God I'm running. I know, what, I know how to do this. I can, I can do this, you know. And, but it was like waking up on planes, stiff and not feeling good and not having an appetite and, and those kind of things. I, my biggest mistake, I had never run a marathon outside of the country before I had run the first 777. So chicken's different, your, your hydrate, everything's so different in other countries. I guess I was kind of blindsided by that too. Gotcha. In, in the lead up, did you do any, uh, well, have you ever done any other back to back marathons besides the 777 or was that a new thing too? No. <laughs> I should. I, I absolutely should have done that. I didn't. I didn't do that either because when you you think you can go on, you know, when I was doing my hundred mile runs, it was twenty miles, fifteen miles, twenty miles, ten, 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 mm-hmm. ten. But those twenty and fifteen and twenty, I thought that that would simulate the, the twenty six miles, and it doesn't. You know, it's you. You really need to do back to back to back marathons, and um, the heart of of my training was through winter. So mm-hmm. they're really are no close marathons, you know, that I could have found flown here and there. There just aren't. So I didn't even really think about that, but I would consider I would, if I was to train somebody, I would to tell them to go back and run some back to back marathons. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, the, the first one, uh, obviously was a bit of a learning experience because I mean, anytime you're doing something the first time, you're always, you know, it's always going to be a bit of a learning experience. It's things that you can't, uh, anticipate or that, that are different than what you anticipate. Um, but the, the first go around, you still were, uh, not only the first, American. I mean, you're the first American to finish it, so you set history there. But you, uh, if memory serves, you had a pretty good showing that year as well. Yeah, I did real well. Um, so I, everybody, the, the Boston Marathon, and, and I mean, everybody really rallied for me. The whole Boston community. I had torn my groin, marathon six, mile two, complete tear to my groin, and I remember this was marathon six, and I remember saying, hearing from what a quote that Tom Brady said in the Boston Globe we did not come this far just to come this far. And I'm like, I absolutely did not give up a year of my life of training, run six marathons in a row to fly home, you know? And, and so how could I look my daughter and sponsors in the face and tell them that I was too sick and tired to finish my job? It wasn't an option. So I got up and, and I finished that marathon and I said, you are one marathon away from making history. So you can spend four hours in pain or 40 years explaining to the world how you almost did it. But but didn't. And, you know, I just, it's kind of like you, you just, you just figure it out. You know, when I got this email from this doctor at Harvard university and he said, I coach the track team. And, and if you just run, I hope you get this email. And if you, if you run with your toes facing in all the way, you'll take the pain off your groin and you'll use other muscles. And I'm like, I got your email. I'm going to try it. I'm going to, you know, but I'm going to finish this. So I think people were watching to see like, cause it already sounds impossible. So, and, and I met my husband at the finish line and he's like, I, and I said, I, I collapsed in his arms. I'm like, I cannot walk. How am I going to run this marathon? And he's like, I, I just have faith in you. And he put my family on Skype the whole entire time. And so every few miles they're like, come on back and dig deep. You can do it. And, and reality is they didn't care if I ran another step. They would wanted me just to, you know, and, but, but I was not coming home, not finishing. So when I crossed the finish line, my parents were live on Skype and, you know, they were crying and they said, we did it. And I said, we, because we really weren't, we, the year leading up to it, my dad was like, when I told my family that I wanted to do this, they were sick about it. They were like, this, this is, you know, this is way too dangerous. And, 
God forbid anything happens to you. It was during ISIS when I told my parents that I wanted to run. It was bad timing. And my dad's like, you're, you're, you are running this race with two active military Marines and people are going to follow you and, and you're such a high risk, you know? And so, um, safety was a major concern from them, but, but they are my biggest fans now. And, um, you know, telling them that I wanted to do it a second time wasn't any easier, but I knew that they would be there to support me and, and they were. So, um, you know, I think everybody really rallied when, when, especially when I got hurt and, and I just, I just really fed off it so much. It really, really helped. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's one of those things I think where it's easy, especially from the outside looking in to, to forget that, you know, it kind of, you know, takes a village or there is a team behind any, you know, there's, it's more than just you. Like you say, I mean, you got a daughter, you've got a family, you've got, you've got other things going on in your life, especially in, in that year of, of training and trying to balance it all. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, you, you've got a, a, a couple of slightly different jobs than, and, and demanding jobs of the, the ice cream shop and, and the daycare. How did you, especially the first time, not knowing exactly what you're getting yourself into, how did you balance all of that while still being a good mom, while still taking care of everything else that needs to take care of. Oh, and oh, by the way, you're running about a hundred miles a week. Most of those weeks. So my life's like a puzzle, you know, everything <laughs> I have something every day. And, and that was what all of my training was done at four thirty in the morning. And after I put my daughter to bed at eight o'clock at night. So, um, it's really hard for me when people want to say, Oh, I want to run seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. I just don't have time to train. I, I find that like, I don't know why that it, it's hard for me to hear that because you know, I'm, I'm, I work seven days a week. I have my daughter and it's, it's hard for me to hear that. So when, whenever anybody says, you know, can you help me or can, yeah, I can help you as long as you're willing to put the work, but sometimes your training is going to be at four thirty in the morning and it's going to be at night. But if it's important to you, you will find the time. And I'm very lucky. I love to run. I love to travel. I obviously love my daughter. I love my ice cream shop. I love my daycare. It, it, it's, it's easier for me because I love all my jobs. You know, I could never do this if, if I didn't love my jobs and love my life. I feel very fortunate to be doing it. You know, I, I couldn't have ever imagined the life that I, that I live now, but I love it and, and it works for us. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot easier when you're enjoying all, you know, when, when you're, when you're juggling a bunch of plates, but you, you know, you like, you like each plate is no, uh, no option to really let them, let them drop and smash. Cause you, you got to keep everything going. So that that first that first go round, obviously the the last couple of races were pretty tough because of the injury. But uh, what was what was your favorite, or maybe not favorite, but you know which 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 countries were you in on that go around, or, or cities, locations, things like that, as far as kind of getting paint a picture of the map that you went around the world and to to run those seven marathons. It started in Union Glacier in our. Antarctica, which you're actually running on a glacier, which, which is really cool. And, you know, it's, it is, if you ever get the opportunity to go to Antarctica, go, it's unbelievably beautiful. Um, this, the sun is blinding. The wind is totally fierce, but it's worth it. And it's, it's one of my favorite locations always. I'm always very intimidated by it because I feel like, you know, I, I'm just so nervous to be somewhere without, you know, any con connection to the world. But, um, I always feel so lucky to be there because I really think it's a really cool place. And um, second up, we were at Antarctica and then Chile, Miami, Madrid, and Morocco were two marathons within 12 hours. So I crossed the finish line of Madrid at 11 a.m., was towing the Morocco marathon at midnight. So if I said, if I can just fight through these two, then I'll be home free. We had Dubai after that and then finished in Australia. So um, those locate. What I love about the 777 is the race director always picks the coolest locations. It's it's these places are really really cool. Um, Australia was was is one of my favorites always, just because it's so different and the people come out to cheer for us and they're really like, do it for your daughter Taylor. And you're like, how do you even know that I have a daughter? You know, it's it's, it's they just do the homework. You know, and they come out and they line the course for you and they give you anything that you need. Australians are always down to really help you out, and I really. I really enjoyed it. Dubai was so cool. It was one of the coolest, neatest locations I had ever been to. And we ran right on the water and all the courses are great. They're all, they are all circles courses, much like running around maybe the Charles River in Boston or they're straight out and backs because they have to keep an eye on us at all times and make sure that we're not lost. Or you know, can you imagine us trying to navigate the Boston marathon course? It just, it was, would be a logistical. So it was very, it was good because you could also cheer each other on and run with somebody for a couple laps if you wanted to. And, and that was really, but these locations are incredible. Speaking of, of that though, um, 
how how much do you get to see beyond the actual route that you're running? Because I feel like for me at least, part of the the allure of running the fifty states is yeah. being able to to visit. You know, like you said, visit visit yeah. South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, places that that I think would be cool to visit, but I wouldn't yeah. have a draw to go there. Um, and, and obviously, with seven seven seven, the you know the the travel or the the, the sightseeing isn't something that they're selling. Like you're going to be there, you're going to run a race, and you're going to leave. No. But you, you mentioned that each place was beautiful. How much do you get to actually see? Not not much of it. So you <laughs> we, you were lucky enough if your if your if your marathon was in light in the light. Because a couple of these marathons, we started running at night. And then you're like, I just went all the way to Africa to not see anything. So um, if you could start out in the day. And it, it was it was tough to be all the way there and not be able to to take it all in and go see place. You know, people would be like, oh, go visit this or that. And, and there was no time. <laughs> the average 10 hours per continent. That's it. Wow. Wow. So, um Wow. Okay. So, uh, kind of shifted. I, I could I could go off on that tangent for a while too. But at some point, we we've, we've got to we got to kind of try to keep this a bit concise. Um, so so you finished the the first go round. Um, first first American woman to to do the to complete the challenge. Uh, and then this past year, you you decided to go back and and do it again. Um, what was what was it like doing it a second time? Was there a sense of been there, done that. So I know what to expect. Was it still a completely new experience? Like, like, are they something that you can compare and contrast or are they just two so different, even though they're the same quote unquote, the same, they're still so different from each other that it's impossible to really compare the two. So the second time around, I had the help of Tom Brady's company, TB12 to train me mentally and physically to, to finish this. So I felt like I was more confident despite not being as fast as I was two years ago. I don't know if it's age or I just hadn't put in the work. I was coming off of 10 marathons this year and last in the, the time that I did this before I was, I had only run about two or three other marathons that year. Cause I was so focused on just burying the first, you know, doing, mm-hmm. finishing it. So this year was different. I had run the volcano marathon at 15,000 feet altitude, which is also put on by the same race director. And I had a lot more confidence, but then I started to get really scared. Like you're not where you were two, two years ago and you're training and you're a little bit older and you're, so, um, I was a little bit more nervous. So, the competition was a lot harder in the second time than it was the first time. And, you know, it was, it's, it's very important to me when I go to run these that I win them, you know, and I want to do as best as I can do. So I was most excited about the location changes. So, um, we went to Cartagena, Colombia, which was amazing. And some other locations, Perth, Australia. And I, when I read about the location changes, I'm like, Oh, I'm absolutely doing this again. And, um, and TV 12's company, Tom Brady company met me at the finish line and cheered me on. And it just, and knowing my daughter didn't come the first time, knowing that she was at the finish line waiting me for me the second time was my biggest inspiration to get there as fast as I could get. I know I kind of owed it to her to work really hard. And when I got off the plane and she was standing there waiting for me, it just, it just meant the world to me. And so, um, I, I don't have, a, it's kind of like going into your second marathon at a way different location. You're like, okay, I have done this before. I've got this where the first time I, not finishing this race was, is never an option for me. I'll do whatever it takes. But, um, I was scared, you know, it's, it's, I learned that it's okay to be afraid, you know, you, big, when you have big goals and big dreams and there's a lot at stake and, you know, it, it not finishing this would have been just totally humiliated. I joke, I say, if I don't finish this, I'm not coming home, you know, and, and it's, it would be really hard for me to, to get on that plane and come home. I feel like I would just embarrass everybody, you know, and, um, but, but I really, I really do have so much fun doing this. And we had an, the race director of the Boston Marathon came and, and ran this year. And, and it was really fun to have him there. He has a bunch of friends and supporters, and they obviously supported me and cheered for me too. So that was really nice to have him there. Um, speaking of the Boston Marathon, yeah, to have, imagine having the race director there with you. So that was awesome, you know. And um, we all, it finished in Miami, which was way different than finishing in Australia the first time. And, you know, I felt, kind of felt like I had the home course advantage. and we had a ton of people there cheering for us and I'd like to do it one more time. Who knows? I mean, you know, the, the hardest part is people say, how do you, how do you top it? What do you, what's next? They're looking for me to, you know, I don't know. I'm running a marathon on the moon. I don't, there's no, there's no nothing for me to say to top this. So I thought it would be cool to say I've done it again because no female in history has done it twice, but I don't know. Do you just keep doing it? Yeah, I mean it's it's when it, I feel like you're right. I mean, how how do you top? There's, I mean, you know, 
I don't know logistically how you could top it. I, I mean, there's there's not a whole like there's only so many continents because of the travel. You can't do it a whole lot quicker, especially in in this type of situation because you know it's not like as soon as you finish, everybody jumps right. on the plane and goes. Like you've got to wait yeah. for everybody to 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 finish and to have a, a at least I would imagine a minute to to try to like you said, get a quick shower or whatever that, that the last person needs to do and logistically tear down whatever the course is and then, and then move on. So, so yeah, I don't know how you could go much, much bigger than this at this yeah. point, but who knows? I mean, who knows what the future brings? Who knows? Who knows? Um, spe- speaking of the fact that like you're not running this in a vacuum, you're not the only one out there. There's, there's other people with you. What, what was the, uh, and, and probably a little bit different both times, but, but again, just a, kind of a, a broad, broad picture view. What was it like, meeting and running with some other pretty, uh, I mean, amazing athletes from all over the world that are, that are doing this type of thing. It's, it's not, you know, not just for the, the, the running novice that's going to do something like this is somebody who's, who's dedicated, been running probably for years and, and just about every situation. Um, what was, what was, what were the, the plane, plane rides like the, 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 you know, race days like with, with the other people that were, were also participating in the challenge? Um, the first time we ran this, there were only 15 spots. The second time we chartered this Airbus 340, which is absolutely beautiful. So we had like, we had 50 spots. So, um, it both times, I didn't like one better than the other. They both, it was great. We had a lot more Americans this year, which, which was nice. And, but sometimes people don't even speak English. You know, they, you, you don't realize that this is a race for people all over the world. So a lot, oftentimes people don't speak English and it's harder to communicate with them. But, um, but you really, you know, the mindset is you're going to do the best that you can do. And probably one of my weaknesses is I'm too competitive to, to make friends and to, you know, but I always wind up making friends and, but I, I am there very much there to, to win the race and to, to race my heart out, you know? So, um, I, when, when you do get to meet these people, you know, your highs of, of these seven days are incredibly high, but your low is really, really low. You know, when you're hurt or when you're just so sick to your stomach or you, so I noticed that when you really are not in a good place, people rally for you. Like, come on, what do you need? Take my apple, take my whatever you need, you know? So that was the best part about it. And, and watching every single person finish was so inspiring. Because it gets ugly, you know, so you really do make lifelong friends. I've, I've met some, some of these people that I, I just really will always keep in touch with because you really you go through a lot together, you know, and and so um, but but meeting them and, and it's they're just, you know, it's we're a different breed. We, we're crazy. You know, we're, <laughs> we're absolutely crazy to be taken like that. And and we're not denying it. We, we just are way different. And but you you become lifelong friends. And even those from other countries, you know, you, we still keep in touch. I just talked to one of the friends from Australia two days ago. And mm. and that's awesome. That's the best part about it. The people that if the friends that you meet. So, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, and, and, and you confirmed my suspicion, it's, it's fly in, fly out to these, to these races. You're in, you guys run, get back on, you, move, move on to the next place, basically. Yes. So, were there, have in there, seven days, yeah. You're, so, are there, have there been places that you ran in, in either of the experiences that you would like to go back and maybe run again, but if not, at least visit and be there longer as opposed to, you know, like, like, like we said a couple of times, you know, part of the, the perks or part of the, the allure of some of these things is the travel to experience different places, different cultures. And that's not something that you really got to do as part of the seven, seven, seven. But did that, did any of the places that you, that you did stop kind of pique your interest and go, yes, I would like to come back here and maybe do a vacation or at least just spend more than 10 hours on the ground in, you know, insert country here. My favorite's Australia. And the first time we ran this, um, we finished in Australia. So I was hang out there for three days, go to the opera house, go to all those places. And, and that was one of, that was definitely my favorite location was Manly beach, Sydney, Australia. Um, to go back, I don't, I don't think I'd ever go back to Dubai or, or Madrid or any, any, I mean, I definitely ran those during the day, ran, ran Madrid during the day. I loved Colombia. Colombia was so much fun. Um, but if you were one of the first to finish, you did have a couple more hours so you, you kind of could like go to the closest hotel shower and then sit out front and, and kind of take it all in. But there was no travel. Um, but out of all the locations, you know, Dubai, we went to both both times in the 777. So um, and then Miami. So there were really no. Let's see. Madrid was great. We got to eat the foods there, which was really cool, mm-hmm. too. 
But no, there were in mm-hmm. those locations. As much as I love them, I probably wouldn't go back to them. I'd probably go somewhere completely different. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, you mentioned that eating the food there. Were there, were there any, um, you know, kind of the, the the runner's rule of thumb is don't eat anything new on race day. And for you, every every day is race day. So were there any issues or, or nerves with trying some of the local cuisine and not sure how it would set with you, knowing that you know somewhere in the neighborhood of twelve to twenty four hours later you're gonna be you're gonna be running again? No. So the only place I found was way different. The food, the chicken in Dubai was just a little spicier than what we were used to. So all of us were eating the chicken thinking this is, this is a little more chick- spicier than, than what we're used to. And, um, but we definitely, I had a dessert on all seven continents, which was really fun and expe- exciting Moroccan cookies, or we had ice cream in Antarctica, of course, and, uh, <laughs> um, just kind of different, different, desserts on every continent, which was really fun. That was definitely really fun to do. But um, you really were sure before you put that you were fully sure that something was totally cooked before you put it in your mouth. You know, you weren't if there was anything that you were unsure of, you wouldn't eat it. You don't eat it. Gotcha. Yeah, that's gotcha. probably good good advice anyway. But yeah, especially if you're running, doing what you were doing, you know, better, way better to err on the side of caution than to take any unnecessary risks. Yeah. And the, and the seats laid flat down into bed, so we were able to sleep no problem um, the second time. And, and that was good because you could get like seven hours of, of sleep in, at night, which is really great, you know, if you need to. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, I mean, I, I could keep asking you questions about this stuff all day, Becca, but at some point we're going to have to wrap this thing up and, and uh, try to be respectful of, of the time that you're giving us today and not go on too much longer. But uh, the way I like to to, to close the conversations is kind of similar to the introductory question and that it's, I ask what I call a philosophical question, meaning just that it's very open-ended. Um, you know, you could, you can answer it in two or three words. If you want, you can answer it in, uh, 10 or 15 minutes. If, if that's what it takes for you to feel like you get a good answer out, but, uh, you know, you can, you can basically just take it and run with it, whatever direction you want. And this is where we'll, we'll put the, uh, the final bow on things for today. But, um, I, I, I have to imagine that, uh, I mean, I, well, Backtrack just a second. I feel like running is one of those things that, and especially running a marathon or any uh, an ultra, something that's it's long, hard. You've trained for it was a good effort. is is a great teacher. I feel like I learned something just about every marathon that I, that I run about about either myself as a person, myself as a runner, whatever. I just feel like out there, twenty six point two miles. Like I'm going to learn something today. And and so far, I mean, I haven't run quite as many marathons as you, but so far I haven't uh, been let down on that on that side of things. I feel like seven marathons in seven days. And especially with seven continents, the travel, all that goes into that um, is, is would be like, I mean, the, the lessons would be ramped up, cranked up to 11 and, and you're going to learn so much about yourself in, in that type of, of situation. So I would, I would be curious to, to find out if, if that's the case. And if so, what either the first time or the second time or both, whatever the case might be, what did, did running seven marathons in seven continents in seven days teach you about yourself that, uh, you know, all of the other marathons that you've run, all of the other races, all of the other things that you've done running wise didn't teach you because it wasn't the, the, the event, the extravaganza, the, the big thing that the seven, seven, seven challenge was. So if that makes any sense to you, what, what did you learn about yourself during, during those challenges? To be brave, you know, it was, this was so scary for me because Every everybody that knows me knows I can't find my way out of Boston. I don't know. I get lost, and and so you know people people always say, "What's your advice? What advice do you have for us?" And it relates to your first marathon or your hundredth marathon. Take chances, dream big, believe in yourself. You know anything is possible when you do those things, and and step out of your comfort zone. Get comfortable being uncomfortable, and and but above all. It's so important to believe in yourself because I had so many people telling me that I'm going to follow you because this sounds impossible. So I'm like, wait, you're going to, you just told me you're going to follow me because you don't believe in me and you, you're going to, you find this impossible. But for whatever reason, you're going to follow me and I appreciate you following me and, and, and you being there for me. But believe in yourself, take chances and dream big. And when you do those things, anything is possible, you know, and it's, it's, it, but I'll have fun. You know, if you're, if you're not doing it. You know, my daughter's a gymnast and, and never in a million years did I think I'd have my daughter in gymnastics. And, and I watch her love for the sport and it reminds me of myself. You know, I always, I always, it's important to love what you do, you know, and, um, but take risks, you know, and, and believe in yourself, take, you know, it's, it's so important to do those things because 
if you do, you can go so far in life, you know, and I learned a lot about myself. I was braver than I wanted to be, especially when I would go to, um, train in Canada, you know, go on four hour long runs in Canada and not knowing, you know, looking fear in the eye, you know, and, and knowing that it was going to be okay if I just kept my guard up and believed in myself the entire time. I, I, I love it. And as per usual, I'm not going to try to add anything to it because I was just going to going to muddy the waters. So uh, great, great way to wrap this thing up again. And, and once again, guys, uh, laughter is a great ab uh, on Facebook. Just search for her at uh, Becky, uh, Becca, sorry there, Becca Peasy. Goodness gracious. Can't get my words out at this point, but uh, we'll have everything linked up as per usual. Dizruns.com slash 600 for this episode. We'll take you to the show notes. We'll have our Facebook profile, the the uh, the uh, website, and, and everything else that we talked about today that makes sense linked up there. Uh, Becca, thank you uh, for, for taking the time today. Thanks for sharing a, a bit of your story and, and uh, hopefully inspiring a few people to maybe take some of those risks and, and push outside their comfort zone and, and see what happens because, uh, you know, what, what's the quote? That the growth only happens when you're outside of your comfort zone, something like that. So, um, you know, Take, take a chance, push yourself, believe in yourself, and uh, who knows what the, what the, what the uh, results will be. So, uh, again, thanks for the time. Uh, nothing but the best going forward. And, and uh, whenever round three of the World Marathon Challenge comes into, into, uh, into view for you, uh, can't wait to see how it goes for you. And, and I know you're going to do, do great. But, uh, again, thanks for the time and, and all the best going forward. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation between Becca and myself. And as always, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from this episode. What was something that uh, that we talked about today that really uh, stuck with you or, or made you stop and think for a second or made you, made you even go back and press the rewind button so you could listen to it again? Uh, for me, there were, there were several things, quite honestly, that, that stood out to me or that uh, that made me think for a second or that, that could qualify as my takeaways from this episode. But uh, I think the, the, the one that I'm going to settle on, um, if I, you know, since I'm going to follow my own rules and try to pick just one, uh, was what Becca said right at the end there, that uh, she learned from doing this, the 777 challenge to embrace the fear and to try it and to see what happens and to believe in herself. And I know for myself, and, and maybe I'm speaking to some of you as well, but I know for myself, sometimes when I'm thinking about, you know, what, you know, of, should I try this? Am I, you know, can I be brave? You know, face my fears, all those types of things. It's easy to, to think about doing that. And then to think about all the things that could go wrong. You know, I could get injured. I could, I could blow up in the race. I could, I could, I could, I could, you know, all of the things like I said that, that all of, all of the negative consequences, but what about the positives? What about, I could take this risk. I could push myself outside of my comfort zone. And if things go right, what is the potential outcome? Maybe it's a Boston qualifier. Maybe it's a new PR. Maybe it's just uh, the, the personal satisfaction or conquering a goal or, or whatever it is. You push yourself outside your comfort zone. You take a risk. You take a chance. You are successful. Sometimes, sometimes you've got to be brave in order to be successful. So my, my takeaway, once again, is just that uh, you know, don't always think about the negatives. Don't always think about, about what could go wrong if you step outside your comfort zone and take a risk. But think about what could go right. And maybe use that as that little extra nudge to take that risk to push yourself just to see what might happen. Because if uh, if things fall your way, it can be very well worth it. So that was my takeaway. What about you? What about you? What stood out to you from this episode? Let me know. Shoot me a tweet at Dizruns. Shoot me an email. Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for this episode and leave your comments and feedbacks and takeaways there as well in the comment section. Dizruns.com slash 600. So... With that, we'll go ahead and put a ball on this thing. Once again, don't forget to, to support the sponsors. Um, and in this case, with, with DKMS, you're not just supporting uh, a company or a corporation or something like that. You're, you're literally, uh, your support of, of them gives you the opportunity to save a life of someone else. So DKMS.org is the link to get yourself on the registry. Join me in the pool. And uh, who knows? Maybe we can both make a difference in somebody's life down the road. So thank you to DKMS. Thank you guys for supporting the show or supporting the sponsors who support the show. Uh, and... Uh, all the other things that you do to support the show is appreciated as well. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one as always. Um, and until next time, please be well. Take good care. Have a great run. Uh, and we'll talk soon, all right? Take care, guys. Mm-hmm.